0: everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 84. Well, did you miss me? (laughs) I enjoyed a nice little summer break, and I'm back at it. I have some great episodes I've been working on, some good interviews in the coming weeks, so make sure you stay tuned. And before I dive into the Today's show, I wanted to thank you all for finding me. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe. And if you're curious about various vintage recipes that I reference every now and then on the show, make sure you check out my show notes and recipes at toastykettle.com. Today we're going to talk all about the humble s'more. Last year, I did a remodel. And part of that process was purchasing new furniture for the condo. Now, the furniture store rewarded our massive spending with a s'mores maker. It's essentially a small heating element that you can plug in and toast a marshmallow to perfection. Now, Every Sun- Sunday night, we've had a tradition of making s'mores as a family. We laugh, we have a good time. While we get to work crafting the perfect s'more, and I'll admit I cringe a little bit as my eight-year-old son crams the entire thing into his mouth, sending crumbs everywhere. This morning, I was getting ready for my run and noticed I had a text from my wife. Apparently, she couldn't sleep in the middle of the night and had s'mores on her mind. She thought this would make a great concept for an episode, and I couldn't agree more. In order to understand the history of s'mores as a whole, you have to understand the history of its components. So let's do a deeper dive into the history behind the humble marshmallow. Now the marshmallow has its roots in the ancient world. The mallow plant is found in Europe, West Asia, and North Africa. The root could be harvested and would produce a thick sap that could be whipped into a medicinal remedy that was perfect for soothing sore throats and coughs. The ancient Egyptians were the first to document this process and use it widely as a culture. Various parts of the mallow plant were also consumed by the ancient Greeks and Romans, so the humble marshmallow has been around for ages. In the early 1800s, candy makers in France decided to get creative. They would whip the sap from the mallow plant with sugar and eggs to produce something very similar to the marshmallow we have today. So leave it to France to perfect this culinary delight. In the late 1800s, the French began to substitute gelatin or cornstarch for the mallow sap, and this created a cheaper, less labor-intensive way to create something that tasted virtually the same. It didn't take long for people to begin toasting these treats over fire. In 1892, the Chicago Daily Tribune ran a letter all about marshmallow roasts, and I thought this excerpt was really fascinating and a good glimpse of the culture of the time, so I'm going to read it to you. So they said, Marshmallow roasts are the newest thing in summer resort diversions. The simplicity of this form of amusement is particularly charming. One buys two or three pounds of marshmallows, invites half a dozen friends, and that's all the preparation required. However, a small amount of kindling wood must be taken along with which to build a small fire in an unfrequented spot on the beach. Away from crowds unfamiliar with so refined a species of entertainment, when the fire is blazing merrily, or better still, when it is dyed down to red embers, each member of the party takes a sharpened stick and affixes upon the end of it a marshmallow. Simultaneously, all those engaged hold their marshmallows over the embers as close as possible to avoid burning and roast dexterously, so as to brown the marshmallows nicely on all sides. This requires some skill because marshmallows are highly inflammable and will take fire if not very prudently handled. The marshmallows swell up to considerable more their normal size, They're sort of sublimated combination of candy and cake all in one bite, though the proper fashion is to nibble the roasted marshmallow off the end of the stick. One set consumed, each person pokes the point of his wooden skewer through another marshmallow, and the performance is repeated until Everybody's appetite is satisfied. Marshmallow roasts are an excellent medium for flirtation. Appropriately exhibited by nibbling the marshmallows off each other's sticks. Accordingly, the idea is sure to grow in favor. So I love that. I would have never thought that a marshmallow roast was an excellent medium for flirtation, but that's what they thought in 1892. So I always love those little snapshots of history. Another critical component of a s'more is the graham cracker. That's what ties it all together. You can't have a s'more without the graham cracker. Graham crackers got their start as the brainchild of Sylvester Graham. He was part of the temperance movement that swept through America in the 1800s. He believed that minimizing pleasure and stimulation of all kinds, along with a vegetarian diet, was how God wanted people to live. If you followed this law, then you would be healthy. Graham's preaching was embraced widely during the 1829 to 1851 cholera pandemic, and his followers called themselves Grahamites. His movement was one of the first vegetarian movements. At the core of this vegetarian diet was bread and crackers made from coarsely ground wheat. These were called Graham crackers and Graham bread. It's important to understand that Sylvester Graham did not invent graham crackers or graham bread. However, he did make them widely popular through his teachings. Graham crackers have been mass-produced in the United States since 1898. The National Biscuit Company, or Nabisco, was the first to produce them. It makes sense that a slightly sweet and widely available cracker would be the perfect foundation on which a person could construct the perfect s'more. Mainly because a majority of the household's already had them on hand. Now of course you can't have s'mores without the chocolate. Hershey's has long been the chocolate of choice for s'mores and they know it. If you go to Hershey's website you will see countless recipes and variations on the classic s'mores recipe. One that particularly caught my eye was a strawberry s'more. And it's your standard s'more recipe, except you also add strawberries on top with the chocolate. And that sounds incredible. So there's really a lot in there about Hershey's. And I'm not going to give you a full history of Hershey's because I want to do that as a future episode. So I'll give you just a brief glimpse. In 1893, Milton S. Hershey bought a chocolate press that was left over from the World's Columbian Exposition, he moved the press to his factory in Pennsylvania and began pumping out bars of chocolate. Now, this chocolate was cheap and it was portable. It snapped easily into smaller portions. It was the ideal treat to have camping, so it's only natural that Hershey's would find its way into a s'more. With marshmallow roast being a common camp- camping pastime, graham crackers being a cheap and prevalent snack, and Hershey's being insanely portable, the stage was set for the birth of the s'more. Now, the first recorded recipe for s'mores appeared in 1925. The Norwalk Hour, which was a small newspaper in Connecticut, reported that a group of Girl Scout leaders had an outing to outline plans for the upcoming season. In the article, it was reported that they ate kebabs and some mores. (laughs) Some mores. Two words. Not s'mores. Some mores. The recipe for kebab sounds amazing. So they cut steak into cubes, then skewer them with bacon and onion, alternating each ingredient until you have a full packed skewer. You then roast that over an open fire, remove the items from the skewer and eat them sandwiched on a well buttered roll. As I was reading that, my mouth was watering. The most interesting part of the article is the description of what a some more is. (laughs) The article says some mores (laughs) consist of a graham cracker on which is placed a piece of Hershey chocolate, a toasted marshmallow, another piece of chocolate, and a graham cracker. That's it. That's it. That's the first recorded (laughs) recipe for a s'more. I think it's safe to say that the Girl Scouts didn't have a monopoly on the s'more. I don't even believe that they were the first to invent it or even record it in print. However, it embodies the tradition behind a s'more. After all, a s'more will always just taste better around a campfire. that's all I have for you today. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the show and tell a friend. It really does help grow the show. I'm Also, always looking for restaurants and companies to come on the show. So if you have a favorite restaurant that you'd like to nominate, shoot me an email at toastykettle at gmail.com. You can also complete the contact form in the show notes. Uh, Until next week.